welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. This week's guests have collaborated to create two celebrated picture books. Their first book, When We Were Alone, won the 2017 Governor General's Literary Award and was the runner-up for the 2017 TD Canadian Children's Literature Award. Here they are to introduce themselves. Uh, My name is Dave Robertson and I'm an author. I live here in Winnipeg. I've lived there most of my life. Um, I live on Treaty 1 territory. I have five kids. And my home community is a Norway House Cree Nation, which is where my dad was born and raised. And um, I've been writing professionally for, I think, about 13 years now, and have done a variety of different books, including picture books and graphic novels and novels. And um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, I've been a, a long and and a really uh, rewarding journey the last decade and a bit. I am. Swampy Cree and Red River Métis. So I am a children's book illustrator and sometimes author and artist. And um, I've just recently moved to Vancouver Island um, in the Tsauk territory. And I have been making books, working on books since 2004. I started Um, doing my work with uh, Thetis Books, which is one of the first publishers of Indigenous Voices in Canada. Julie Flett and David A. Robertson's book On the Trapline is a finalist for the 2022 Christy Harris Illustrated Children's Literature Prize. In our conversation, David and Julie talk about how they started to work together and the spiritual connections that have grown from their collaborations. Here's my conversation with David A. Robertson and Julie Flatt. To start my interviews, I always ask my guests kind of like a silly icebreaker question. The question is, if you could read one book or watch one TV show for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Well, I, I'll, I, can, I can say uh, one book of mine would be a book called Tom's Midnight Garden. It's a book that I read when I was a kid, and I returned to it a lot. I don't know why it's resonated with me for for uh, so long, but uh, I just think it's a ingenious plot and just a really beautifully written, I would say like a middle grade portal story, time travel story uh, hybrid. So that probably would be the the book. Um, other than I would say the Meryl Thieves would probably be very close. And then t- TV show, I don't know. Oddly enough, I would probably say House. <laughs> <laughs> or House because I, I've watched it probably three times, that series. Or uh, more recently, Res Dogs. I, I love that. I love that show. I think it's I think it's just like the best thing on TV right now. So those are probably be the ones for me. And Julie, do you need more time or is anything popping up for you? Um, I mean, I'm a really visual person. And so as a kid, I was drawing and looking all of the time, flipping through, not reading as much, but 
definitely snowy day. It just sort of has everything, you know, it's um, tender and fun and yeah. Snowy day, that must have, must have had a big influence on you. Yeah, I think it did. I, I don't yeah. think I knew that until I started, you know, having feedback uh, from people and then going, well, yeah, oh my God, of course, the 70s and yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right, let's jump into chatting a little bit about On the Trap Line. I'm not going to ask you to read from the book uh, because I find that kind of gives a lot of kids' books away in the reading. Um, but uh, maybe, David, could you describe a little bit about what the book is for those who aren't familiar with it? Yeah. So On the Trap Line is a book that I wrote after I visited the, my dad's trap line in 2018. Uh, we went out there together. And it was the first time I'd ever been out there be- with him. At, well, the first time I'd been out there at all. And... It was the first time he'd been there for, I think, over 70 years. So it was a, you know, it was a, definitely a homecoming for him. And it was also a homecoming for me. So I got this really strong feeling that I'd returned home. And, and it was so we spent the day out there together. And afterwards, that day was staying with me. And I think as, just a, as a creator, I just wanted to document what that day meant and try to find ways to communicate uh, meaning that it had for me to other, for others. And I think that's how we connect through stories. And so I just sat down one evening when I was camping with my family, we were camping out East uh, and I just wrote the first draft of it in a notepad by the fire each night as we were camping. And it's just a story that, is about a grandfather and a grandson. Uh, I made myself a grandson in it, not a son, because I just thought it wouldn't be as, you know, as engaging if a kid had to read about two old guys. And I just wanted to write a story that, first of all, spoke about um, the beauty of community and then of, like, reconnection to the land. And so that those two elements for me, I tried to embody in the story and, and try to encapsulate our journey but find I guess a bit of a different delivery for it and um, but that's where the that's where the book came from yeah I I read your your memoir when it came out and of course you uh, tell this story in in that book as well why did you want to adapt that story for younger readers I I, I don't know if I actively uh, planned on doing it in all these different mediums um because there's Blackwater, there's On the Trap Line, there's Kiweo, which my which is my podcast, and I just feel like there's just so much stuff in me, and there's so much of my dad that I wanted to communicate about our relationship and about him, and to honor him, and even before he passed away, just to honor his resonance and impact on my life, and what our relationship means to me. And, and, and hopefully through, through that, um, have people think about their own relationships and, you know, their own journeys. And um, I just felt like there, it's just so much stuff that I need, it just needed to come out. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted it to come out for everybody. And so a memoir wasn't going to work for young kids. So I 
I felt like I needed to write something for younger kids. And then um, when I was doing research for the memoir, all, there was so much stuff there that just didn't fit into the narrative of the story. So, but I also felt like that needed to get out. So I used all those recordings and structured them around the podcast. So it's like my dad trilogy, I call it often, you know, on the trapline, Blackwater and QAO is my, my dad trilogy. And so that's, that's where it's like, that's all, it all came because it was kind of bursting out of my, my spirit, I think. I mean, and what, and what makes this book so special too is obviously the illustrations. And this is the second book that the two of you have been able to work on together. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how your collaboration came about. Did the two of you know each other before When We Were Alone was created? Who wants to go first? <laughs> um, do you want to tell the story? Well, you know, I, I mean, I can if you want, but you, you can too. Like, why don't you tell it from your, and I'll just add, if I feel anything, you know, I'll add in it anything, but okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, initially, Portage and Maine, Highwater Press brought us together for When We Were Alone. And I had, you know, said that I was too busy to work on this. And I was, please, you know, just look at the, you know, manuscript. And then I read it and I thought, okay, this is too important to, I, I need to work on this. And so David and I didn't know each other or, you know, so we were introduced through the story. And then um, we... Um, was it Zoom or Skype at the time? It was Skype, I think, at the time. We we set up a Skype call to um, to talk about the story together. And um, I can't remember if David was reading it or we were both reading it. I, I think David was reading it. And we couldn't finish the story without crying. And, uh, you know, I remember saying, how, how are we going to, um, you know, present this to children if, you know, if we're struggling? But that then became the process of, I mean, David wrote it so sensitively, so gently as a beautiful introduction um, to children. And then I was able to, to take that. And it was probably one of the hardest books I've worked on because this was something I was thinking about all the time. And I was thinking, um, you know, about um, in particular, uh, you know, residential school survivors reading the book too because I've read with a lot of um residential school survivors and different books and things like that and and just remember thinking David has written it in a way that is sensitive to survivors and I'm going to illustrate it always in the back of my mind thinking about kids and survivors that this is done in, in you know a tender and sensitive way but when David and I first met of course we introduced each other where we're from and so our families are, are, you know, my dad's home nations are uh, Norway House and uh, Cross Lake. So we had this connection that I don't think anyone knew. And uh, he's, he's also Métis. So his, my grandma was Métis and my grandpa, just this incredible connection. And then we started getting connected over the, the years and through the, the, um, the governor general ward and I met his family, his beautiful family, um, parents and really connected with them. And, um, I'm so glad that and the, the beautiful timing of everything coming together. So we did when we were alone and then Tundra approached me with, um, on the trap line 
So I'd already sort of gotten to know his family and, and David's dad and really could see, you know, could see the images. And so it was really, you know, an important and special book for me to work on too, um, because I'm kind of going back through the images with my dad. So, you know, that's happening over here in the images. And, and of course, like getting to visit David's dad and <laughs> through the, through the work. So what a beautiful um, process, you know, working together in this way. But, you know, it's, it's funny because we come together so tightly, but we also work separately. So, you know, David, like, as he described how he um, came up with the, the story and how he put it together. And then I kind of go off with the images and work on those. So, yeah, it's, it's this incredible collaborative process that we sort of meet up initially and then work on our parts separately and then it comes together again yeah and I think there's like so much trust and love like I, you know I I just when I did on the trap line it was such a personal story I you know I remember telling Tundra that Julie was the only person I wanted to do it and I don't know if I would have done it if Julie couldn't have done it you know um, because I just had so much trust in her to tell the story she is one of the dear people in my life and um, we, we've done, I think, these two books together. And I think it, there's just this real powerful spiritual connection in, in our work. And I think that's kind of played out in some of the things that I've seen come from the two books, whether just in person, in kids I visited with or parents or whatever it might be. But also in like, uh, you know, with When We Were Alone, things that I can't really explain, like there's a friend of mine who had a picture of his grandmother laying in the in these autumn leaves with a friend of hers in the exact same cover it was almost it was almost the cover of when we were alone you know that was so powerful and we were crying together my friend and I and then with on the trap line I swear that Julie drew my dad in rough he was wearing the same clothing that he wore that day which was like you know very very powerful but yeah I mean I wouldn't add much to how we met. Like that's exactly how I remember it. You know, I know I remember just seeing Julie's work and uh, thinking that's it. You know, I, I, we got to see a lot of illustrations by a lot of illustrators. And as soon as I saw Julie's for when we were alone, I just thought that it has to be Julie to do when we were alone. It has to be. Uh, and I remember when they were saying that Julie, you know, Julie said she was too busy I, I told Highwater, I like, you have to, you have to send them, you have to get, you have to send them a manuscript, do something. And then thank goodness, you know, she, uh, she saw the importance of the story, I think, too. And um, I do think that story doesn't even really belong to us anymore. Like, I feel like that story is a story that has taken on its own life and it belongs to survivors and it belongs to families. And, and it's done so much, you know, like even last year when the, unmarked graves were being found you know we we uh high water and i and and um you know we raised like i think over ten thousand dollars for the uh indian residential school survivor society and there's just so much that that book has done uh and and i think in a different way on the trap line has um has done things too for people in in how uh, it's such a quiet and calm book um but it's also a book about family and about the land and our connection to it and and it's it, I think people have uh, connected with each other because of that book 
and I, I, I feel like, so I think each book has its own thing, but I also feel like they're also spiritual sequels. You know, there's spiritual connections between the two books. Um, and Julie did something, I know, I know we're not, not talking about like our, our meeting here, but like Julie did something that was really breathtaking uh, in On the Trap Line. And it was, um, there's a picture in there where it shows two kids sitting on a log in the forest, in the, just in the forest outside of a, presumably a residential school. And then you flip the page and it's the exact same forest with a bit older trees, a bit longer grass. And, and then it's like older people sitting together on the same log. With, and it just, it's just such a striking, stunning, beautiful juxtaposition. I, it's, I mean, Julie's done amazing work her whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that's like the, some of the best stuff I've seen from her. And that's saying a lot because she's she's like the best, you know, I think we have, you know. <laughs> I kind of wish this was a video interview because I love seeing your the two of you reacting to what you're saying is is so lovely. I mean, I, I would I would love to hear about the how the process was different for on the trap line because I think um I mean, I've learned so much about how picture books are created through doing this podcast and doing the work I do with the book prizes, because I think a lot of people don't know that oftentimes the writer and the illustrator have very little contact with each other. A lot of that exchange happens through like an artistic director at the publisher and and there's no contact. But the two of you have become friends and have met each other's family through this process, which is really special. And I think that comes across in the books, too. Um, so if you if you'd like to speak to that part of it, I would I would love to hear more about how just like how the process has grown from that first book to what it meant, you know, to have that relationship going into on the trap line and having that closeness. Oh, what well, all I'll say because I'll just say because I'm front end like with the story. Um, I, I believe I you know, but Julie and I obviously talked, um, but you know, I sent her the manuscript uh, and uh, I think some reference photos, uh, but I just had so much faith in her ability to do this, to tell the story. And I knew that my parents loved Julie and I loved Julie. And um, there, I just had, I just had like a hundred percent trust in, and obviously I think she would show some things and there'd be a bit of back and forth, but I just, you know, I, I, she's also a storyteller in that book um, as much as I am. And I, I didn't interfere with that, you know? So I just, I just have total faith in, in her. So I, you know, I, I don't think there was much interference on my part, you know, for, for what she, her creative process, you know, I just sit back there and watch like a master at work, you know? <laughs> Did you want to add anything, Julie? I mean, I think that, um, you know, when that trust is there and and we have this beautiful connection, it just makes the work flow. And yeah, it's, it's just a, yeah. I mean, it's not that it's not labor intensive because it is, but um, it just has a different flow and in to it, um, which is, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of being in a, in a, uh, a band together, you know, you've got the lyrics and the music and it's <laughs> coming together. Yeah. So that's what it is. You're right. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like the quietness and poetry of the words and the images, you know, they just work so well in concert with each other. There's some pages I still read that I just, I just sit there with, 
and I just think that it's just like so perfect. You know, I I think both those books I'm so proud of, but you know, there's there's things with on the trap line where you know I think as a writer, you you when I read stuff I I've done, there's always things I think about that I would change. There's even a couple of passages in when we're when we're alone that I sometimes change as I'm reading, but on the trap line I don't. I feel like it's about as perfect as I could have done a picture book. And um, there's just so much complexity, I think, too, and little things with the words in the pictures that I think if you want to dig below, you can really um, see those complexities. But I think the, the, the beauty of it is that those complexities don't present themselves at the surface because they just, they're just so integrated so well. In the storytelling that um it's just such a i'm just so proud of that book you know and it is both it's like the relationship between the, the words and the images and how well they you know they coexist within the page you know there's just it is poetry you know the whole thing together yeah i'm always in awe of the way the two pieces come together especially when it is two people creating um and then it comes together and I think the magic of a beautiful picture book is that there's space, um, space for for parents and kids to talk about the story together, space to sit there with the story and the images. Um, and I mean, both books, When We Were Alone and On the Trapline, has those moments where they just kind of call for a moment to sit and, and think and sit and look. And, and I, I think it really does speak to the trust that the two of you have built in working together that you can... Um, leave that space because I think some people would want to fill it maybe or 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 question it but it 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 just works so beautifully yeah I think it's like having faith in like the the reader too and Mm -hmm. and and just letting the reader sit in that quiet and peace and that calm and knowing that you don't have to it's almost like it's like a showing not telling thing you know where you you just you can just let the reader just sit in the message and just like, um, and feel that, that, that poetry, that calmness, that peace. And you don't have to fill it with space. You don't have to fill it with words. You don't have to fill it with, you know, one of the best images in on the chop line is just, I think it has like four words on that page. And it's just like this beautiful image of just a grandson holding hands with a grandfather. It says so much. But it's just like, and they were quiet, you know, and they lived in that space. And then I think that's what, that's what I, that's what you're talking about. But I think that's what was very intentional too. Mm-hmm. And and something that we have in common in, in our work, in your writing, in my pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to, I, I chatted with Daryl McLeod last week and, and we talked about Piakau and he was chatting about including Cree in the books and just letting it be there untranslated, unedited. Um, and I wanted to chat with the two of you about this because there's Cree in On the Trapline and I know, Julie, you've put it in Wildberries as well. And I wondered about the importance for the two of you in, in reclaiming language as part of reclaiming stories that we have lost and have been retold through history and colonization and why it's important that we start including um, Indigenous language in the books that we're reading across Canada for adults and kids alike. 
Julie wants to go first. <laughs> just because you said Daryl McLeod. And mm -hmm. um, so I just moved recently out to Souk. And um, I one of the first visits that I made was to the Souk Library. And it's a brand new, really beautiful library. And um, I took out a few books. And I took out Daryl's book. And I had I didn't know his work. And I took it to the Souk River with me. And I was reading. And it was really quiet there it was still the late sort of beginning of the spring and it was still a bit cold and I was alone at this river and it was new to me and I was reading the book and here he was talking about living in Souk and being there and all of the same questions that I had were coming up in this in the book that I was reading so that was this incredible experience um so very similar to you know like David and I coming together and anyway so that was interesting and for me um, just really early on, and I, I've told the story a few times, but um, my, my grandfather was a Cree speaker, and he was, you know, elderly and, and into the early stages of Alzheimer's, and I phoned him, I was, I think I was in Vancouver, or out west, and he was in Toronto, and um, I asked him, you know, Grandpa, would you would you speak to me in Cree? And before I could even get it out, you know, barely finished, you know, he started speaking to me in Cree and he hadn't spoken to his children in Cree or, you know, they hadn't learned Cree or been taught. And so it was like, he, you know, he was waiting and it was just, you know, he hadn't, it was so close to him. And then I started thinking about um, what I do and how could I, you know, include that in the work that I do uh, to introduce children. So I'm, you know, not a speaker, I'm an, a beginner, um, but it's a way that I could introduce it to kids. And so, yeah, that's. I, I wouldn't add much to that. I just think it's like, for me, the inclusion of Cree, and I've done it in the Barren Grounds and the Great Bear and, and when we were alone, um, it's, it is, like an act of reclamation. Um, and, you know, I think that is such a nice feeling to know that thousands of kids are reading Cree, you know, um, and uh, most importantly, Cree kids are reading Cree, you know, and I think that I've seen that play out, you know, and because I, I do, you know, so many classroom visits a year and just even just like visiting a class where all the kids thank you in Cree at the end of it unprompted is this nice you know to see that that it has that level of impact but I think it, the most important impact is within indigenous communities especially Cree speakers uh, one of the a similar story to Julie uh, that line really rung with me was uh, will you teach me Cree um, the first person I read when we were alone to was Lauren my young youngest daughter and when we read it together uh, the next day I believe my dad was coming over for brunch and he came over and sat in his chair um, that he always sat in and then as soon as he sat down my daughter ran up to him and jumped into his lap and said grandpa will you teach me Cree and it was just like this amazing moment that came from a story you know because in that story she learned that that language was taken away and she made connections and, and she wanted to break a cycle and she wanted to learn Cree from my dad. And she did start to learn Cree from my dad. And so that, that's the beauty of what 
these stories can do. And I think Piranha Trapline too, though, is also like a storytelling device as well. Um, as much as it was an act of reclamation, I think like in every page, the translation adds depth to the, to the story. And that was something that worked really hard to do. And, uh, and so I think that there's a different, there's a, for, for on the trapline in particular, there's, um, there's multi layers to the reason I use Cree. But the most important layer is, is is reclaiming language, you know, and hopefully encouraging young people to speak. And like like Julie, I don't speak fluently. I'm just learning. I do remember the the beauty of Julie and I both being able to say thank you in Cree, at, you know, when we spoke, when we accepted the Governor General's awards. And I think, if I remember correctly, Julie learned how to say thank you from my dad. The pronunciation of the formal, more, more the formal thank you from my dad, which is Kanaskamitan now. Um, and right, and I think. And, well, I practiced with him, and then yeah. I, I um, he was the only person in the room when we were up there, which was so incredible and lovely because I am uh, terrible with large crowds and, you know unless it's kids and so we had this like connection in the room and I'm speaking for with um David's dad and I'm you know and he said afterwards there you go you know you you did it and Mm -hmm. you know you spoke Cree and uh yeah any and every time that happens it's yeah um that's incredible. He was very proud of you. He, he was just uh, he was such so supportive and that was everything. You know, we're we're in this building that's intimidating and um <laughs> you know this the system and there you know he's he's there and I know that I'm yeah, we're connecting and I just yeah. It was very grounding. We, we knew why we were there. That was David A. Robertson and Julie Fled. Their book, On the Trapline, is a finalist for the 2022 Christy Harris Illustrated Children's Literature Prize. If you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Nancy Turner. Nancy co-wrote Lushim's Plants, Traditional Indigenous Foods, Materials, and Medicines with Dr. Lushim Arvid Charlie. Lushim's Plants is a finalist for the 2022 Roderick Haig Brown Regional Prize and the 2022 Bill Duthie Booksellers Choice Award. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.